are listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hi everyone, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. Today I'm joined by my very first in-house lawyer guest. Sheldon Rankima is the General Manager of Legal at West Farmers. No doubt you have heard of West Farmers. They are a top 10 ASX listed company and they've been around for well over 100 years. Sheldon leads a team of lawyers who support West Farmers' well-known businesses, Kmart, Target, Bunnings, Officeworks, and their industrial and safety businesses too. He also leads the legal operations working group at West Farmers and is actively involved in CLOCK, an organisation committed to improving legal operations. In this interview, I talked to Sheldon about the challenges that are being faced by in-house teams. As it turns out, they're not all that different to those challenges that are faced by external providers. We also talk about how legal operations look at West Farmers, and Sheldon gives some examples of automation tools that they've built in an attempt to satisfy the more for less demands that they're seeing from their clients. Stick around for the end where Sheldon shares some very sensible advice for those who are looking to do law differently. And that advice applies equally to both in-house teams and external provider law firms. Enjoy. Hello, Sheldon. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Lucy. How are you? I'm excited to talk to you today because you are the first guest we have on the show who is in an in-house role. So I want to start by setting the scene a little bit because most of the people who I've spoken to have been people who have worked in firms. Can you tell us what are some of the main challenges that in-house teams are facing in the current legal market and perhaps how they might be slightly different to those that are faced by people who are working within a law firm? Sure. So I think there's probably two categories of challenges that we're facing and they are variations on a theme, I think, in terms of the, the issues that law firms are facing mm-hmm. as well and other external legal service providers. Um, the first one is really about us as a cost centre yeah. and really because we're a cost centre, there's pressure on us in terms of the supply side of the equation. For us, we are um, a, a cost of the group. Our focus as a group is on delivering um, returns to shareholders. And so for us, we don't directly contribute to revenue for the organisation. And so there is a challenge for us as our focus as a group is on increasing uh, the returns to shareholders mm-hmm. on us to contribute to that by reducing our costs or at least controlling or minimising costs. And that's happening in a context in which there's also problems in terms of demand on our work. And the challenges in that space are more about the people in our businesses who are, I guess, our internal clients, if you like, becoming more sophisticated. So often they've got more understanding than they may have in the past about legal issues or problems from a legal perspective that might arise with the particular matter that they're working on. And they're also probably increasing the sophistication of the work that they're doing as well. So that creates a demand problem for us. And then further, there's probably another demand fact that's an issue, which is that the regulatory burden on us, as well as any other organisation, is really growing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing things like Royal Commission's other regulatory reach is increasing, issues like privacy, 
data protection, all of those kind of factors are increasing the demand for legal services internally as well. So we're sort of squeezed between demand pressures on one side and then the supply pressures on the other. So much like external providers, you're being asked to provide more for less, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in some ways, that is no different to law firms, whether their clients are individuals or businesses. Their clients are also wanting to get more out of their lawyers and they're wanting to pay less for it. And I guess they also have the added pressure or the added issue of having to deal with this billable hour, which it's not something that you have to face. That's true. Although for us, we're alive to the pressures that are there for for our external providers. Yeah. And potentially that creates opportunities for us too. And that's something that you've been kind of tackling, isn't it? I understand that at West Farmers, you've got an increasing focus on legal operations, which is something that you're very involved in. And that's one of the ways that you're tackling this more for less demand. Tell us about how the legal operations role looks at West Farmers. So legal operations more broadly is just about increasing the efficiency and effectiveness of us as an internal legal function. So it's about trying to apply continuous improvement principles to the work that we do and through that to try and help solve that more for less challenge that we're facing. So we, we look at that in a number of different areas, but that in, the work that we're doing includes things like increasing use of self-serve tools, better capture of demand for the work that we're doing, better data collection about the work that the team members are doing. Also looking at how we engage external providers as well and making the most of the opportunities that are happening in that fragmented legal services market with uh, new providers with the pressure on existing law firms and their model as well as new technology that's emerging as well. So there are some opportunities there for us to help address that challenge that are being created by what's happening in the marketplace. Can you give me an example of one of these things, perhaps your self-serve tool, because I know you've mentioned that to me before, one of the things you've done there. So give us an example. Okay, so in terms of how we look at self-serve tools, we've applied some thinking about where we should direct our focus on that, and I can talk to that in a bit. But one of the classic examples, and if if you talk to other in-house lawyers and probably some external lawyers as well, an area where our lawyers get involved in work that's not particularly strategically important and it's also not complex is confidentiality or non-disclosure agreements. And there are quite a time drain for our lawyers and probably taking a pause there, it's important to recognise that the lawyers that we have in our internal function are all quite experienced lawyers So very capable, they're not at the junior end of the spectrum, in fact, quite the opposite. So it's important for them to be doing the work that suits their capability and challenges them as well. So NDAs or confidentiality agreements are a classic example of a fairly straightforward agreement that follows consistent principles and is relatively easy to automate. So what we've done is with um, the help of a software provider, we've built a confidentiality agreement tool that allows people in our businesses who effectively own the contract or the relationship with that particular counterparty to set up using the self-serve tool their own confidentiality agreement without having to touch a lawyer. Mm -hmm. There are some clear principles around 
when the self-service engagement is appropriate and they're reflected in the tool. So if something's particularly uh, high risk or has a, an element of complexity, then it does get sort of kicked through to a lawyer to, to work on. And so those things will be identified in the tool itself. So they'll be, it's like a questionnaire and they'll be said, told this is not right. appropriate. That's right. So the tool uses an expert system, I guess, effectively to ask a series of questions, which then ensures that the, the um, particular agreement is suitable for a self-serve application and then populates the agreement to suit the particular scenario and it will pick out a number of you know one of a number of different templates depending on the scenario and then it goes through all the way through to negotiating that with the counterparty or sending it through to the counterparty and assuming that that's okay then through to execution so really the only thing that we see as a legal team is the executed document when it's done yeah And you mentioned at the very beginning of that description that one of your aims there is to free up your lawyers so that they don't have to work on what they would see as probably quite easy and perhaps repetitive work and instead free them to do work that's more complex or perhaps that's more strategic or things that kind of suit their level better. What kind of response have you had from them after you've started to implement tools like this? Look, I think it's been well received by our our legal team because it does take them away from that stuff that isn't particularly taxing. It's not complex or challenging. So they do like the fact that they don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore and they can get on with other higher priority items on their list. Mm. It's also probably important to acknowledge that there are some lawyers who actually find that stuff comforting. There is certainly a change management piece there around lawyers who kind of look for something to do so that what I would describe as sort of that Friday afternoon kind of scenario where you just want to have um, some job. time to cruise do something that's quite familiar easy just get it off the desk and what we're trying to do I think is to say actually no you shouldn't be doing that work at all and you might find some comfort in it but it's not really what you're there to be doing so again there's a there's an important change piece there that we need to continue to reinforce with our lawyers so that if they are sort of minded to find comfort in that kind of work that we um, move them away from that and um, focus on the more challenging complex stuff that they're really more attuned to doing and better at doing things that I wonder is I mean obviously by developing this tool you've reduced costs probably significantly I mean this is only one example of the types of tools that you've built but that's part of what you're being asked to do you're being asked to provide your services and do them for less but the more you produce things like this is it going to end up in your budget being cut more and more because is there a concern among your lawyers that you're going to be replaced by these type of tools? Look, I think it would be naive to say that there is no concern about that, but I think what it does do and the important point that we're making is that actually there's more than enough work to get around. So for us, it's about ensuring that we remain a a very lean and focused team and in that context, this gives us an ability to say actually these are the things that you ought to be focusing on and these are the things that you can leave behind because there's only so much time in your day there's only so much focus you can apply to the list of things that potentially would be there for you to do. And therefore, it's actually a positive story. It allows you as a lawyer in the team to focus on the stuff that really challenges you and is important and is why you're here in the organisation. 
It's interesting because it's the same approach that I take in designing services as I try to automate anything, I call it the grunt work, but anything that I think a computer could do better than me or the repetitive low-level type work. But as a result of doing that, I think the initial thought is that it will end up in less work to be done, you know, things will be automated. But what I've actually seen is that people get better at the more complex and the more strategic work and then they end up doing that in more depth and a better job of it because they've got more time. And so they actually end up increasing their skills because they're not spending time on this comfort stuff like you that, in the way you describe it. Have you seen any of that? I'd certainly agree with that. I think it's a journey, but I feel like if you're being taken away from things that are really easy for you and that might otherwise stop you from focusing on the more challenging strategic work, then getting more exposure to that is is only going to be a positive. But whether I can sort of point to that in an objective way as what's happened in our organisation, probably not at this point in time, but I think that's um, certainly part of the ongoing journey for us. A quick break from the interview to let you know about a new service that I'm offering. For almost 10 years, I've designed and delivered productized legal services that have transformed the way law firms operate. I've now designed a coaching program where I'll teach you how to design services that truly meet your customers' needs, package them for sale, and systematize and streamline service delivery so that you can work smarter, not harder. Ultimately, it's about simplifying your business model so you can escape the billable hour and the best part, spend your time on work you love. If you're keen to learn more, visit lucydickens.com.au and book in for a free 30-minute discovery call. You mentioned before that you had some comments around what kinds of things you look at to streamline or to automate or to develop this technology around. So what are the criteria that you look for when you're trying to identify areas to improve? So... What we're doing increasingly is through our matter management tool, which is a bit like um, an internal legal functions um, sort of practice, practice management, management system, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it captures data about the demand for our work by capturing each um, matter above a particular size that our lawyers work on. And as part of that system, what we do is we plot a number of variables so the complexity of the matter, and we've got some parameters that help standardise the way that each lawyer categorises a particular matter. So complexity, strategic significance, we also look at the size and the risk associated with the matter. And we've come to the view that probably the best way of looking at what we ought to consider for automation or outsourcing is to look at complexity and strategic significance. So The ultimate aim is for our lawyers to be doing things that are more complex and more strategically significant and then conversely outsourcing or automating things that are not um, either of those those two. So that means that when we look at automation opportunities, we have a framework that helps govern when we would consider something suitable for um, automation as as a principle. So is the question you ask yourself similar to the one I mentioned before, every piece of work that you're doing, somebody is asking, am I the right person for the job and how might we be able to do this different? How do you prioritise what your kind of focus areas are going to be? I don't think we're yet at the point where we prioritise it in such a systematic way, Mm -hmm. but certainly when we're looking overall at the kinds of work that we're doing and the opportunities that exist using current systems and technology for automation, 
we always look to see where the particular task is something that fits into that category of being not strategic and not complex. Yeah, okay. And we get an overall picture by capturing data on the matters that we're doing, but we don't necessarily look at it on a sort of case-by-case basis. You're more of a bigger picture view. Yeah. That makes sense. One of the challenges that a lot of people talk about when they're trying to develop this operations type focus is the mindset shift of their staff, particularly lawyers who are not used to thinking about work in this way. What are some of the techniques or the strategies or how do you manage that in your teams in terms of getting people to think bigger than the legal issue and getting people to think about the work they're doing in more of an operations type framework? I think that this is probably the hardest part of mm-hmm. legal operations. It's the people side. It's about that change management and effectively engaging across the team in the efforts that we're trying to do to help shift the work that we're focused on. I'm not going to say by any stretch that we're doing it magnificently or that we've um, we've cracked that issue. I think it is an ongoing journey. But what we have been conscious to do is and every reasonable opportunity to reinforce the key messages, which are that the industry is changing, your work is changing, we are a cost centre, and therefore we need to be focused on supporting our overall objective as an organisation. And therefore, um, through that, to, I guess, be open to change, So we've had a number of, you know, and this journey's probably for us been going for maybe four or five years. And so we've had a number of interfaces with this. So whether that's the retreats that we have as a team every second year, that's been a consistent theme over the last two of those. And we've got another one coming up early in the new year. So talking about how lawyers are now and ought to be in the future, just continuing to expose our team to the idea that the work that they're doing is going to change and is changing and that they ought to be engaging with that. Mm -hmm. And then we've had other opportunities like problem-solving sessions, so we'll get together, which we've done on a few occasions, kind of talked about what are the key things that irritate you about the work that you do Mm day-to-day, what do you think could be done better, and then using applying that sort of framework around strategic significance and complexity, how can we, and overlaying what's available in the market, how can we kind of solve those problems in a different way rather than just continuing to do the same stuff over and over? It sounds like you're very much trying to get the team involved in the change as opposed to kind of the opposite, which would be imposing it on them. Yeah, that's right. And so other examples are, so where we've built a couple of other self-serve tools, Mm -hmm. we've used We've made sure that we're engaging with the team on those and that they've been sort of front and centre in helping to build them and shape them. When I say build, it's not necessarily, say, doing coding or doing the the actual software work, if you call it that, but it's been more about directing the solution, what exactly is the problem that we're trying to solve and which solution is going to work best for um, the particular internal clients that it's targeted at those kind of things. So really engaging with the team in that and it being an ongoing discussion that's that's happening regularly about the need to actually embrace the opportunity that we've got here. 
is absolutely an ongoing transition, I think. Even if you think that, you know, like with tools that I've built that sound quite similar to the contract one that you've just explained, you get to a point and you think, yeah, this is good and this is working. And then maybe some law changes or maybe somebody comes up with a way to improve it. And it's just constant evolution, isn't it? It doesn't seem to be an end point. Yes. That's a good thing. Now, you're also actively involved in the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium, which to me is known as Clock. Do many people call it by its full name? I don't know, but that's who it is. <laughs> We're Clock. Yeah. I actually had to look up what it stood for because I just know I just know it as Clock. So Clock. Tell us about Clock and what they do. So uh, Clock's an organization that started probably six or seven years ago. Don't quote me exactly on that in the US. And it started really as, I guess, almost like a book club of legal operations professionals on the West Coast of the US, really looking to share notes about what they were doing, how they might be able to collaborate and do things better. And that's partly a product of the fact that legal operations is a bit more of an evolved function, say, in the US, where there are in large legal teams significant numbers of legal operations people now that's not across the board in the US but certainly there are large legal operations teams and some organizations there and so clock is really just about working together to make sure that new people are joining or existing legal operations people who are members of clock have issues that come up they're not really reinventing the wheel they're checking always whether somebody's done something similar before and whether that can be leveraged to help, I guess, move the industry along a little bit incrementally. And in Australia, it's been going for probably three years now, and we've been involved in helping to create and continue the clock group in Australia, both on the East Coast and the West Coast, and found it to be a really good forum for sharing insights about what's out there in the market in terms of who's doing what, learning from other people's successes and mistakes, and uh, really trying again to sort of move forward within our industry to actually take a lead in being, being great at continuous improvement. One of the greatest ways to learn, especially in this changing environment, is to learn from each other's mistakes. You know, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel every time. We can talk to other people and see what they've done and what's worked and what hasn't worked for them. Is Clock mainly for in-house lawyers? It is. Yeah, yeah look, it, it certainly it started as being um, solely in-house, although yeah. uh, more recently Clock has opened up a forum for external legal service providers. Mm-hmm. That's still evolving and... Certainly there are some forums that involve external legal service providers and we're certainly looking over the next period to see how best we can work together with firms and other providers Mm. to collaborate. It's for both of our benefits, but how that's going to play out is still something that's a work in progress. Yeah, I thought there was sort of a shift happening there, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Legal operations is a role that's becoming more common, isn't it? We're starting to see that role in even smaller firms, not just the big players. So I can see how there is an opportunity there to bring more players on board. Now, my final question is asking you for a piece of advice. What would be the biggest advice or the most important advice that you could give for in-house legal teams who are looking to do law differently? Look, I think probably the key thing from my perspective is to just have a go I think that it's really critical to try things out, not necessarily 
to be successful, but at least have a go. I think one of the things that we, one of the learnings I had from our recent CLOT Institute, our conference in Sydney last month in September was one of the presenters, Scott Smalley from Telstra, talking about being a backyard tinkerer. And that to me talks to just the need to be starting to engage at whatever level because there is a need for us to be changing as a group, as an industry, and that's going to take individuals to start. And so I think even just small incremental changes actually make quite a big difference. So I think my key thing is just to is to give it a go, to realise that we can't keep doing things in the same way that we have been doing and therefore to try and just change our practices on a day-to-day basis in that small incremental way. And I think that's much more important than trying to roll out some whiz-bang new technology solution or something like that. It's about actually being open to change and just trying in a small way just to work differently in a more effective way. Yeah, and it's much more realistic too. I like that advice because it's easier to make small changes than it is to just kind of stop. You still have to keep business going and you still have to do the legal work. So when you're trying to change things, it's easier to do that in small pieces than all in one big bang. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Mm. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with me. appreciate your time. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for listening. I hope you're feeling inspired by Sheldon's advice to just have a go. I'm interested to hear what small changes you're going to implement to get started on your change journey to doing law differently. So send me an email or a message and let me know. I'd also love to hear who you'd like me to have on the show. What businesses do you feel inspired by or who are you fascinated by that you would just love to learn a little bit more about? Again, send me an email or a message and let me know and I'll see what I can do about getting them as a guest on the show. Lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be wonderful if you could please leave me a rating and review. It really helps other people to find out about the show and helps me to know what kind of things you're interested in. See you next week. Bye.